Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and his church, grow in faith and understanding of God's word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. What just a beautiful way to celebrate God's goodness and His grace through baptism like that and that precious little girl and the opportunity to sing and worship. Let me catch my breath. I'm running. It's good running, though. It's a good tired, I guess, right, as the Aikens used to say. Let me pray for us, and we're going to begin this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to celebrate this morning, Father, an absolute moment of celebration for Maylee, for what you've done in her heart, Father, for the ways in which you've healed her. Praise your name. It's beyond words for us to understand or comprehend all that you have done or all that you're going to do, but Lord, we are um, in awe of your majesty. We're in awe of your glory. We're in awe of your power and your mercy and your love. And Father, we get this witness, just a witness, just a small portion of that, just a little bit of what you're doing, and we praise your name for it. Your glory is um, immense, Father. It's eternal. It's beyond anything we could ever hope or imagine. So we praise your name for who you are. Thank you for the opportunity now to gather, Lord, to sing praises and to study your word. Lord, I pray you'd speak very clearly to us this morning through your word, through the power of your scripture, Father. And may we, as we pray every Sunday morning through the Holy Spirit working in us, be transformed more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. We are continuing our sermon series this morning. We've entitled Defining Us, Connect, Grow, Serve. We're working through this vision statement, and we want you to see it and understand it and figure out how you can apply it to your life. And so I'm going to read through it. I've read it every week, I think, so far. We're going to read it again this morning. We want you to connect to Jesus and his church, grow in faith and understanding of God's word, serve Jesus here and around the world. And and just by the way, let me just invite you, if you're new with us, uh, if you've been visiting for a few weeks or even a few years, whatever, we're doing a guest luncheon immediately following this service. We'd love for you to eat with us. It's free. You don't have to sign up. You can just show up, just walk to the fellowship hall. You can kind of go down the long hallway, up the stairs, and into that big room. That's our fellowship hall. We love to feed you, and you can meet our team and learn a little bit more about our church. So if you don't have lunch plans, we would love to connect with you today during that luncheon. You're invited. We'd love to see you. But we've challenged you in a couple different areas here uh, in this process over the last few weeks. And one of the ways we've challenged you is with Scripture memorization. So we've challenged you to memorize John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And so we've been kind of going through this on Sunday morning. I've been encouraging you while you're at home during the week and with your kids to learn this, to memorize it. And we've been going over a little bit in the worship service. We're going to do that again this morning. Okay, we're going to go over this again. And here's the way it's going to work. I want you to pull up verses 6 through 10. John 1, 6 through 10. The goal is for us to memorize all 18 verses before our Christmas Eve service. Now that's a long time. Most people are going to have it memorized well before then, but I want to challenge you and encourage you that that night during the uh, Christmas Eve service, we're going to say this whole thing, John 1, 1 through 18, together uh, without any hints on the screen. We're going to have it memorized and we're going to say it 
by memory. So we're going to practice it this morning, okay? This is your quiz. You're going to say the first five verses by memory. We don't have it on the screen. And then after we've said that, we're going to go right into verse 6. Then we're going to take a few words away from chapter, verse 6 and following. See if you can say it then as well, okay? You ready? <laughs> can I pipe in the cricket chirp as I ask that question next time? <clears throat> we're doing it anyway. Here we go. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Here we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came wit bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. All right, let's take half the words away. John 1, verse 6 through 10. Here we go. Ready? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Okay, nice. We're going to keep that up. We're going to keep reminding you of that, keep challenging you, work on it at home with your family, in the car. You can listen to it as you're driving. A lot of different opportunities to think about that. Now this week, if we kind of pull that vision statement back up, we've already been through the first two, connect to Jesus and his church, grow in faith of God's, uh, and understanding of God's word. And we're going to begin this morning kind of the third section of this sermon series. We're going to preach a few weeks on the idea of serve. We're going to serve Jesus here and around the world. And the way we're going to do that first, kind of the first thing we're going to talk about is the idea of evangelism, sharing your story. So I'm going to ask you a question I'm not going to come and get you to answer me, but I want you to kind of, in your heart, you answer it honestly. This is not the answer you give to your Sunday school class necessarily. Not that you lie in your Sunday school class. That came out wrong. I know you don't lie in your Sunday school class. But don't embellish the answer at all, okay? Let's get just a dead level truth in your heart. First of all, when's the last time you shared your faith with somebody? That's the first question. When's the last time you led somebody to Christ? Those are fair questions based on Scripture. We're going to see this morning we're commanded to do this. And so as we walk through this, I want you to kind of answer those questions, think about those. And if you're saying to yourself, man, it's been a while, uh, maybe it's been years, maybe it's been never, then maybe this is a good opportunity for you to learn from the Scripture, be challenged in your faith, and to conform more to the image of Christ, which is what he teaches about in Matthew chapter 28, okay? So Matthew 28 Verses 16 through 20. Just a few verses here. We're going to walk through them. There's a lot of truth I want you to see this morning. We have it on the screen. You can follow along as well. Matthew 28, beginning of verse 16. Now, Jesus has already been crucified. He's been buried. He's risen from the grave. He's about to ascend into heaven, and he meets with his disciples. And we see in verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when, he, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's awfully important. We're going to kind of stop there here in just a second. Verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now I would say to you, if you wanted to kind of understand these verses, especially verse 19 and 20, this is called the Great Commission. And many of you have memorized the Great Commission or heard of the Great Commission or, or kind of lived your life based on the truth of the Great Commission. I would say to you that these verses 19 and 20 specifically are talking about discipleship. Go and make disciples. That's the command we're given by the Lord to go to all the nations and make the disciples. But I want you to understand, last week we talked about discipleship. In fact, you could go back and listen to the podcast if you wanted to. Then I talked last week about discipleship and the importance of discipleship. And if you're not in a small discipleship group, like a DNA-type group, where it's just you and a few other people, I would encourage you to do that. But because we talked about discipleship last week, I want to think about evangelism this week. Because before you can disciple somebody, you got to lead them to Christ. Before they can grow in their faith, they have to be a believer. And so I want to talk this morning about the idea of sharing our story. I want to talk this morning about the idea of sharing our faith. And I want to talk especially about why you ought to do it. So if we're going to answer the question of why you should share your faith, we're going to do it with some truth out of the Scripture. And the first one I've got on the screen, it's foundational. It's something a lot of people forget. Maybe we don't really understand it. And I would say that most of us don't live in the truth of what I'm about to say. So point number one is this. Jesus has been given all authority. Right? We should share our faith because Jesus, first of all, has been given all authority. Now I want you to notice what he says right here in these verses. I want you to notice that he doesn't just say, I've been given a little authority. It doesn't just say I've been given a limited amount of authority. Go ahead and pull that up, verse 18, if you would. It doesn't say I've been given authority on a little part of heaven or a little part of earth. It says that he's been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That means that Jesus is the King of kings, Lord of lords, and he is in control of all things, period. You understand that? You understand that? Good. Now, some... People forget this idea. We forget that we serve the king who has all authority over all things. And yet we see this all through scripture. right? It's not as if this is the first time the Bible talks about the authority of Jesus. In fact, if you were to read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you would see the authority of Jesus time and time again. For example, Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29, Jesus is speaking and teaching. And when Jesus finished these sayings... The crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had, here's the word, authority and not as their scribes. Right, there were religious leaders and other teachers of the day, but when Jesus taught, people heard him teach and recognized that he had authority very different from the other people they had heard. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has healed a paralytic, and people are questioning why he's been able to do it, and the Bible says in verse 6, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority, there's that word, on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who'd given such authority to men. John chapter 10, same idea, verse 17. Jesus says, For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. 
Right? If you were to study the life of Jesus, you would know that he had authority over the wind and the waves and over sickness and over creation and over death. One writer said he had authority to teach whatever he wanted to teach. He had authority to heal the sick. He had authority to forgive sin. He had authority to cast out demons. That's tremendous authority. But now here's what I want to do. I want to make the connection here because some people miss this. We need to understand that we're serving the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who has authority over all things. But what does that mean for you? You're like, that's good. I get it. Jesus is in authority. He's the King. He's the Lord. I get it. How does that apply to me? How do I take this idea of the authority of Christ, which is clear in Scripture, and apply that to my life? I'm going to give you three kind of ideas here that answer this question. What does this authority mean for me? Here's the first thing. It means that we can have confidence that his mission and purpose will be victorious. We live in a world now, you may have not noticed this, but we live in a world now uh, where Christianity seems like it's taking a beating. Have you noticed that? Kind of in the world? I mean, it seems as if people have uh, laughed at us and mocked us. And I think right now, Christianity, we're kind of seen as um, uh, foolish, maybe to be the word, uneducated. Uh, hicks, maybe they might say of us. We don't know any better. That's why we believe. It's kind of a crutch. You've heard all these things said about believers. The fear I have is that right now we're seen as foolish. Uh, as we move forward, we're going to be seen as more and more radical. And eventually, I'm telling you, they're going to declare us as some sort of a terrorist-type group. That's what we're going to say. They're going to say, you know what? These people are crazy. They don't understand what's going on in the real world. They're a threat to democracy. They're a threat to America. And we better do something to get rid of them. Now, we're not there yet, but we fear that we're heading that direction, right? So we need to understand this truth. As it seems like Christianity is seen less and less, we're more and more marginalized, we're pushed to the edges, we're thought of less and less. We need to be reminded biblically that Christ has authority, and because of that authority, we're going to be victorious. You understand that? So when you go to share your story, you're not doing it in your own authority. When you share the gospel, you're not doing it in your own authority. You're doing it in the authority of Jesus, and that matters. I had the opportunity many years ago to, to, to go to Washington, D.C. I taught school for years, and I taught middle and high school. And I would always take my middle schoolers to Washington, D.C. for a trip. That was always a lot of fun. If you've never been to Washington, D.C. for a week with 7th and 8th graders on a bus trip, you have to do it. It's amazing. It's amazing. I did love it. I really did. I love teaching that age, and I really love those kids. And we had a great time. But one of the years I went, I had one of the dads reach out to me and say, Hey, when we go to D.C., would you like to meet Clarence Thomas? And I said, well, of course I'd like to meet Clarence Thomas. I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell you a little side note you probably, I probably haven't told before. I don't think I've told any of you this. So I said, I'd love to meet Clarence Thomas. How can we meet Clarence Thomas? And by the way, some of y'all are like, who's Clarence Thomas? He's a Supreme Court justice, right? See, middle school history, we learn this kind of stuff. Nine Supreme Court justices, he's one of them. And I told our kids before we went, listen, <clears throat> Supreme Court justices don't run for office. So they don't have to go make speeches. They're not oftentimes seen in public they don't have to raise money. And so you legitimately, I believe, have a, have a better chance of seeing a president in person than you do a Supreme Court justice. It's just pretty rare. It doesn't happen very often. And so I said, listen, we're going to go and be prepared. We're going to wear our nice suits and whatever. I said, but, but the guy kind of explained the story to me about meeting Clarence Thomas. He said when Clarence Thomas went through the confirmation hearing, which is years ago, and some of y'all are too young to remember that, it was a rough confirmation hearing. And his daughter, Claire, who was real young at the time, decided she wanted to write Clarence Thomas a note and just say, I'm praying for you, thinking about you. 
She mailed the letter. He got thousands of letters during that process. And for whatever reason, he read her letter, liked it so much, he reached out to the family and said, listen, if you're ever in Washington, I'd love to meet you. And so, of course, they took him up on it. They went to meet Clarence Thomas. They started this relationship with him. And so when we went to D.C., he reached out to Clarence Thomas and said, listen, can we bring a group of kids in to meet with you? And Clarence Thomas said, of course, I'd love to meet them. So we show up at the Supreme Court. <clears throat> if you've ever been to the Supreme Court building, it's a massive, beautiful building. It uh, sits uh, several hundred feet off the road, the big steps that walk up to it. And you kind of go around to the left at the bottom, and there's an entrance into kind of the, I guess it's a little museum, and you can kind of walk around and take a little tour down there. So we're supposed to be there a certain time. We get off the bus. We're all dressed in our suit and ties. And, <clears throat> you know, I've got 57th and 8th graders, however the number that win, a lot of kids. And I look, and the line is, it seems like a mile long to get in the building. I know it wasn't really that long, but there's a lot of people in line. And I'm thinking, we're never going to make it in on time. And we got to be there. We got there like early, like 30 minutes early. There's no way we get through this line in 30 minutes. And so we get in line, and I'm nervous, and I'm wondering, are we going to miss the appointment with Clarence Thomas? And all of a sudden, these two security guards walk out from the bottom. They start walking down the line, and they start hollering for Sherwood Christian Academy. That's who I taught with at the time. That was the school. Sherwood Christian Academy. Sherwood Christian Academy. I'm like, you know. Here we are. So they walk back, and they basically escort us past all of these people. You know, and you're kind of, you know, you just walking by them in line. Appreciate it. <laughs> walk on by everybody, right? We get into the line. We go in the bottom of the uh, Supreme Court building. Every door down there that says, do not enter, we entered. Coolest thing, man. He opens the door. We do not enter. We walk right in. Do not enter. We walk. Don't go behind this curtain. We walk behind the curtain. So he takes us this, uh, this maze. It seemed like forever to get down there. We go into this room, probably half the size of this room, paneled. Dark wood, beautiful, be ornate, all these chairs. And I'm thinking Clarence Thomas is going to come, uh, three-minute uh, photo op. He's going to say, hey, shake your hands and walk out the door. He spent about two hours with us. Most incredible thing I've ever experienced. He answered any question we asked him, and I asked him a lot. I was a nerd. I asked him a ton of questions. Kids asked him a ton of questions. It's just a great experience. I loved it. It was just a lot of fun. I had great respect for that man. And, and let me just say this, and I don't ever talk political stuff. I'm not going to. But there's at least one believer on the Supreme Court, I'm telling you. There's at least one man who's serious about his faith. I can't speak for anybody else or anybody else in politics, but I've met that man. I've talked with him at length and asked him questions. I've read a good bit about him. I firmly believe he's a believer in Jesus Christ. So just a great opportunity, right? Here's the reason we tell that whole story to tell this. We didn't get in that room that day because of me. We didn't get in that room that day because we were smart or wiser, even because of Claire. The only reason we got in that room was because Clarence Thomas said it was okay. He gave us permission. We had his authority. You understand that? And because we had his authority, we got to walk with confidence into these places we never would have walked in otherwise. You understand that, right? We never would have bypassed the line, walked through the do not enter, go into this big chamber and wait for the Supreme Court justice. We never would have done those things. Authority allows us to do things we would not be able to do otherwise. The authority of Christ in our lives gives us the ability to go places and to do things and to say things we would not normally do otherwise. So the next time you sense the Lord calling you to do something, to share your story or to go, you remember you're doing it not on your own authority, but on the authority of Christ who's been given all authority over heaven and over earth. Right? So we have this confidence that his mission and his purpose will be victorious. Here's another thing we get with his authority, a clear calling. 
We ought to have a clear calling because of his authority in our life, right? We should recognize that he's in control. He's the one that makes the decision. The authority doesn't come in the world. It doesn't come in other people. It doesn't come in material things. It doesn't come in a self-help book. It comes only through Christ. That ought to clear up a lot of confusion for us as we wonder. And then thirdly, and this kind of moves us into the next section of this text that I want you to see. Ultimately, it means that we must obey him. He's been given this authority, and then he does something with the authority, right? And I want you to notice how this idea of obeying him is going to translate right here from verses 18 and 19. So I want you to look at verse 18 again. I want to see that on the screen. I want to see what Jesus says. He says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, right? So that's how he starts this. A lot of times we miss the Great Commission. We miss this part of the Great Commission, that this authority has been given to Jesus. Now, right after he makes the statement of his authority, verse 19 is, put it up, go therefore, right? Therefore is in reference to his authority. Because I've been given this authority, because I've been given authority of heaven and earth, because I've been given all authority, I'm commanding you now to go based on that authority. You understand that? Here's truth number two. We are called to be active participants in our faith. Why should we share our faith? Because Christ has given us the authority first. We see that in verse 16, 17, and 18. And then in verse 19, we're called to be active participants in our faith. We're called to go. He doesn't say sit, therefore, and make disciples. He doesn't say wait. He doesn't say be passive. He gives us a very clear action word. Let's go and do something about it, right? Christianity is not a spectator sport. We're called to do something. Like if all you ever do is come and sit here, praise the Lord, I'm glad you're here and I want you to continue to come. But I pray as you come and hear the truth of God's word that it challenges you and encourages you to do more. Listen, because of the love that Christ has shown me, because of his sacrifice, because of his authority, it compels us to do more. Like, what can I do for you, Lord? How can I serve you? How can I love you? Jesus says, okay, one way you can serve me is you can go and you can tell your story. The Bible's filled with examples where we're commanded to share our story. Did you know that? Like, it's not just Matthew 28, 19, and 20. That's called the Great Commission. That's maybe the clearest but there are all sorts of examples in Scripture where we're commanded to tell our story. So, for example, I'm not going to read all of them. I've got a lot of them here. But, for example, 1 Peter 3.15, right? Just think about this as you think about work tomorrow. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now, if you live your life for Christ, if you live your life serving Him, at some point somebody's going to notice you're different. And when they ask you why you're different, why are you so joyful? You're prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that's in you. Well, I have joy because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. He gives me joy. I have hope because I have hope in Jesus. I have love because Jesus has loved me and I therefore want to love you. Right? We're ready to give this defense. We're ready to tell this story. We're ready to talk about Jesus. Right? Time and time again in the scripture, we are told to share our story. Here's the problem though. You can't argue biblically that we're not called to share our faith. You can't do that. It's clear. Multiple times. But unfortunately, we live in a world and a time where fewer and fewer people are sharing their faith. In fact, there are all sorts of uh, examples of studies that have been done. George Barna, who's a Christian researcher, has researched this extensively. You can go 
Google him if you want to and read about some of his studies. But in one of his latest studies, he's talking about millennials. He's talking about millennial Christians. And he says almost half, this is current, almost half of millennial Christians in the U.S. believe evangelism is wrong. That's what they say. Like We live in a world where fewer and fewer people are sharing their faith. Either they're afraid, or they think or hope somebody else is doing it, or they're not trained, or they've kind of gotten over their salvation, or maybe they don't know a lot of lost people. And so I'm going to give you, very quickly this morning, some things you can do to help you share your faith. Because we're clearly commanded to do it. There's a clear command in Scripture all through the New Testament. It's not should we, because we should. It's how are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? So I'm going to give you some very simple ways in which you can share your faith. The first one is the simplest. Just clearly share the gospel. We've got these on the screen. Just clearly share the gospel. Now I'm going to give you a quick model. I don't have time to really flesh this out. I'm happy to talk with you afterwards if you want to know more. You can Google it. A lot of people know it. A lot of people have memorized it. It's called the Roman Road. It's four verses out of Romans. You've already memorized almost ten in John chapter one. Surely you can memorize four in Romans. And it gives you just a model. It's not something you have to use every time. It's just a real clear picture of the gospel, and it helps you explain exactly what Jesus has done. Here are the verses. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? Everybody's sinned. We've separated ourselves from the Lord because of our sin. When I use this verse, I typically talk about me. Like, I don't know what you've done, but I've sinned. I'm a sinner. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23 is the next verse. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? So you've already established sin. You've established sin leads to death. But because of Jesus, we've been given this gift of eternal life. Now Romans 5, 8, the next verse. But, this, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? Even though we were sinners, even though we made mistakes, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And then the final verse, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified. With the mouth one confesses and is saved. That's just a real clear, concise picture of the gospel. We're sinful. We've been separated from God. Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins. If we confess those sins and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So I wanted to start, how do you share your faith with just a very, go back to that, those titles again, just a real clear picture of the gospel. That's what I'd like for all of you to do, right? I want you to do that. I want you to clearly be able to articulate your faith. But I also understand there's some people that that scares, they don't feel comfortable, they're never going to do it. So instead of kind of being mad and, and banging my fist up here and telling you you have to do it, I instead want to give you some alternatives, okay? If you're not going to do that, here's some other things you can do to share the gospel with people. The second one, show genuine lo love and concern for people. If you say, listen, I can't articulate that, I can't share those verses, it's too difficult, then one thing you can do is love people. You can really love people, because I promise you, if you love people well enough, one day they're going to ask you why you're doing it. You understand that? And then you're going to have this chance to share the gospel. Well, I love you because Jesus loved me. I want to talk to you about all God has given me and all he's done for me. That's the second thing. Third thing you do, you share your personal story. You say, I can't do verses in the Roman road and I'm confused and I'm scared. Just share your story then. You don't have to memorize anything to share your own story, do you? You don't have to learn Bible verses. You don't have to stand up with a Bible and preach. Just share your story. Listen, this is what God has done in my life. 
Here's how Christ has worked in my heart. Here are things he's done for me. I'm just going to share with you my story. Here's another one, even a, a less confrontational way. Buy someone a Christian book and read it with them. Just start a book club. Buy somebody a gift for Christmas. I was just thinking about you. I just thought it would be fun to give you a book. I want to give you this book. I've got the same book. Maybe we can read it together and talk about it. Man, there are all kind of great Christian books, all kind of great Christian authors out there. You can read one together, and you can talk about the things of the Lord. And then you say, listen, I can't do that, man. I can't memorize the Scripture and, and share my own story and a Christian book. I don't read much, and I'm scared. I can't do any of those things. If you're not going to do any of those things, then the, at least you can, the fifth thing, invite them to church. Okay? If you don't feel comfortable sharing Jesus with them, I will be happy to do it for you. They can come here and they can hear about Jesus. They can hear about what Christ has done for them. But we ought to be doing something, right? There's not this place for inactivity. You can't find that in Scripture. Christ very clearly gives us this call. Man, you need to go and share your faith. You need to go and share your story. And he talks about going to the nations, right? It's not just about going to the people next door. We need to have this desire to go and share the gospel with everybody. But now here's where you get to this point, right? You've heard this teaching. You've seen this truth with your own eyes. It's right there in Scripture. Either I'm going to obey it, I'm going to disobey it, I'm going to justify my actions and not do it, or I'm going to change some things and do it. But I'm not sure how to do it, some of you are thinking. I'm fearful, I'm afraid, I'm not certain I'm going to be able to do this. I want you to notice what Jesus says in verse 20. Look at verse 19 again. Though Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Watch this. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Truth number three, as we go share our faith, Christ is with us always. You understand that? When you share your faith with somebody, you're not doing it alone. You're doing it under the authority of Jesus, under his calling, with the Holy Spirit right there with you as you do it. So you can walk into that situation victorious. You can walk into that situation understanding the Lord is already at work. You can walk into that situation with confidence knowing you are fulfilling the will of the all-powerful King of the universe. So I want to encourage you as you go home today, challenged with this truth. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do when you go to work tomorrow morning, when you go to school tomorrow morning, when you have that opportunity to ball field or, or dance in a couple of weeks? How often are we sharing our faith? You know, one of the things we want to do during this time of service and kind of the idea of connect grow service we want you to find an area of service and part of that is sharing your story we've placed all these banners out here in this back hallway maybe you saw them as you came in this morning and you should have gotten a little sheet the little sheet that just has service opportunities written on it has just a list not nothing fancy just a simple list and all these lists in here kind of correspond to all the banners that are out here i want you to walk through that this afternoon as you're leaving just think about it take this home with you think through it pray through it a little bit because next week we're going to have people stationed at every one of those banners that can answer your questions. And so over the next four weeks, as you look through this list, as you walk through this hallway and lobby, as you speak to different people about service opportunities, I'm going to challenge you here in a few weeks. I want every person in this church to find some area of service. I want you to figure out something the Lord's calling you to do, and I want you to do it. Now let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for this scripture for this text, Father, for, for the challenge to share our story. 
for the challenge to evangelize, to tell the world, Lord, about you. We thank you for what you've done and for what you've given. We thank you for this clear picture that you've shown us, Father. It's not about should we, real clear that we should. It's really about finding the courage and the trust in you to do it. And so, Father, I pray you would use this time, use these scripture verses to challenge us in our faith that we may go out and with boldness under your authority, go knowing you are with us and share with the world the truth of who you are. Father, do great things through us. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is open. It's an opportunity for you to pray and respond as we sing together this morning.